All truth is interconnected. And as I began to move toward the Catholic Church about 15 years ago, one of my growing realizations is that Catholicism is indeed a seamless garment. Everything feeds and supports something else, and nothing just dangles out by itself. As human beings, we're fragmented in our thinking. We do not have full understanding, obviously. There are some Christians that wonder about the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, there are signs and gifts. We had a charismatic mass last night, and, and we heard some of those gifts audibly. But one important sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit is character and seeing the behavior that flows out of that character. And the Sermon on the Mount is a picture of life in this world lived in the Spirit that Jesus gives us. Christianity is not just doctrine and rules. It's really who a person is. A person who is alive to God in the Spirit through Jesus. So Jesus speaks to this life in the Spirit, and he uses several issues to illustrate. In the Sermon on the Mount, he addresses murder, adultery, divorce, oaths, and revenge. Now, the Pharisees had built rules around these things, and Jesus exposed how the Pharisees' rules worked to make them look good. That is not what spiritual life is about. The issues that Jesus uses show us something about God and his life and his people. And when we truly see what God wants of us, the first thing that we will do is cry out for his mercy and his grace because we fall so short. We can't live up to the Sermon on the Mount. We cannot obey God's commands, at least not from the heart, on our own. We can force some things outwardly. That's what the Pharisees did. But God has to work his life into us through the Holy Spirit, and that is the beginning and the end of Christian life. Today's gospel focuses on a difficult subject, one's response to evil in other people. It's an oversimplification to hear Jesus say that we're not to resist evil at all. Scripture is clear that God's people are to resist evil. Paul writes to the Ephesians, Put on the whole armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Peter, speaking of the devil, says resist him. And James says the same thing and adds a promise. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So Christians are not to just be passive in the face of evil. But the issue in the gospel here is how a godly person responds to an evil person in a personal exchange. Now, this affects all of us in two ways. First of all, every one of us have felt the evil of someone else. 
We can be lied about, shortchanged, lusted after, abused. But you know, the other truth is, is that there is evil in us that has also affected other people. Confessing that and wanting to be like God is what it means to be poor in spirit, to be mournful and meek, as Jesus used these words in the Beatitudes. In today's verses, Jesus focuses on what it means to live as God's people in a world where evil too frequently happens. And a good paraphrase of what Jesus is saying here is is really rather simple. It's just not, not simple to do. Do not take revenge on someone who wrongs you. Now, if we're honest... We know that there is a deep desire for revenge that can run through us. Some years ago, I saw a bumper sticker. It said, you touch on my truck, I break on your face. (laughs) There's something in us that wants to give back worse than we received. God says that is wicked. Then Jesus gives some illustrations from his day of what he's talking about. He mentions slaps on the face, giving one's cloak, going another mile. Those were situations that touched personal insult, rights to personal property, even government interference with personal convenience. But we might notice that Jesus did not give examples of one's wife being assaulted and abused or again trying to beat a person to death. In fact, Paul was once in danger of being beaten by a mob, and he gratefully accepted help from the Roman army. And so the issue here is not civil order. The New Testament speaks to that in other places. But Jesus is directing his disciples to the heart attitude of how we feel and respond to the people who touch us even when it's not good. Sort of through the back door, the issue is really one of self because that's what's always coming up against God and his authority in our lives. Do I put myself first? When I am insulted, do I retaliate? Do I say right back and give it worse? Do I try to get back at someone who has hurt me just to satisfy that itch? I'll get you. This is different than having a desire for justice for the sake of a stable society. You know, if, if we're victims of some heinous crime, we can have two very different heart responses. One is to look for the full penalty of the law what they did was bad enough to wish for the death penalty so that they get what's coming to them. But the other way is, yes, to desire there to be justice, but to have concern for the person who did the horrible thing and to pray for them and to desire their salvation. So here's what Jesus says to do. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And here is where we need to be the most careful. Because this is not a mere rule. This is not some abstract obligation 
that we'll never be able to meet anyway. But it is the standard of God. And so what are we to do if we're serious about trying to follow Jesus? First, remember, we cannot make enough rules and obey them to be like God. Impossible rules will only leave us feeling worse. There's something deep in us. Yes, we do often want revenge. It's hard to love our enemies. So what is Jesus saying? He is calling us to get our eyes off of ourselves and to look at God and what God has done for us. And that shifts everything. Because the focus of life in God's kingdom, this is not rocket science, it's God. The way to live a spiritual life is to be filled with the Spirit. And so Jesus concludes everything here by saying, be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. And he doesn't say that, so you'll leave here today feeling as though I can never measure up what's the use Rather, Jesus is reminding us of what God is like. Because just before he says this, he reminds us, God is the one who causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. And as Christians, as we grow in the spirit, we are called to respond to our enemies the way that God has responded to his And how is that? Well, Paul tells us explicitly. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. And the more that we allow God's Spirit to come in and control us, the more we are able to respond according to his character. And so the whole Sermon on the Mount is not just about what you do and don't do. It's calling us to look at who we are and who we can be as we open our hearts to Jesus. The way that you and I respond to evil and to enemies is in direct proportion to how much the Spirit of God controls us. If you want to see someone who perfectly lived in God's Spirit, Look at Jesus. Through the mystery of grace and salvation in the Eucharist, the power of Jesus' life in us can transform us so that we can be more and more like God. The glory is incredible. And if you can believe that you and I are enabled to respond to others with the love of God, think of the witness that the church can be. So listen to Jesus. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect.